listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. Now here's your host, the Sly Dog. Hello and welcome to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, the Sly Dog, and joining me today, a good friend from the Hustle Podcast, Mr. John Lamro. John, how you doing? Hey, everybody. Hey, Alex. Thanks for asking me. Thanks for joining me. I've been I've been really looking forward to this ever since you did those. Uh, uh, basically, you did. For those who don't know, uh, John interviewed basically a handful of the guitarists that Joe Jackson has had over the years. He did a little series on that and then he did Graham maybe. And those were all three of those were great episodes. So I highly recommend you check those out on the hustle. And that's when I kind of got the idea that I should ask you to do this. Thank you. I'm glad you did. I'm a huge Joe fan. So that, that's a good place to start actually. Like how did you like get into him? Like, like where was your jumping on point? Yeah, my um, I, I I'm a little older than you, Alex, <laughs> and so my first introduction was stepping out. I was okay. probably nine or ten years old when that song was uh, getting popular, and um, it was all over the radio. That was it's it's part of my musical awakening. Those are the years when I start becoming aware that there's a radio in the car and it plays good songs, and if you stick around it'll play your favorite song. And so I really got into him then. Um, I didn't, I don't think really start collecting his, each of his albums until much later. And, um, but that was what sparked from that moment on, I've paid attention to what Joe Jackson has done ever since. Nice. That's that's really cool. It's it's hard not to, like, he's one of those artists you never know what he's going to do next. So exactly. Really cool. You got the jumping in point right there at night and day. And kind of like you alluded to, mine was much later. Mine starts in the mid-2000s, and this story is actually kind of funny. So uh, my dad has a great music collection, like tapes, CDs, whatever. And as a kid, I love going through them, like, and I discover, you know, new bands I've never heard of before. Like, that's how I found out, you know, about all these classic rock bands I love. And at one point, uh, I was into Michael Jackson's Thriller, and I became aware of the fact that there was the Jackson 5, and that his brothers had also done solo work. And I see this tape in my dad's collection. It's Joe Jackson, looks sharp, and it's just the shoes on the cover. Yes. So, so I'm like, I wonder if this is one of Michael Jackson's brothers. Let me give this a try. And much to my surprise, when I put in that tape, I figured out right away, I'm like, yeah, that guy's not related to Jackson. There's no way. <laughs> Uh, just tonight to get ready to talk to you i've been of course listening to nothing but joe jackson for days and my daughter was sitting next to me and uh, i said yeah i'm about to uh, do a podcast with a guy about joe jackson and she asked is he related to michael jackson i said oh no 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 no, no. they couldn't be more different oh yeah exactly but i heard the tape and uh hearing it like at the time i was also really into green day and i could make a connection between the sound on that album and like what kind of became pop punk in a way like that, like it's kind of aggressive, but melodic at times that really intricate bass playing kind of reminded me of what Mike Durnt was doing in green day. Mm. So I really developed like an enjoyment for that record, but unfortunately growing up in rural North Dakota, there's not a lot of record stores mm. and radio in that area is not exactly, you know, playing like if they're playing older stuff, they're not playing stuff like Joe Jackson. Mm-hmm. So I was just for years, I was like, I knew him as the guy on the Look Sharp album, and that was about it. And then, so in 2019, I went to a record store, and I was just flipping through CDs, and I saw Look Sharp, and I was like, oh, I remember that. Do the Instant Mash, and is she really going out with him? Let me pick that up. And I bought it, and it just, I forgot how good the album was. I forgot how much I enjoyed listening to it. And that kind of uh, 
sparked me like jumping back into his music and I got Fool shortly after that. That was as a new release. And then wow. uh, unfortunately I got a little busy, but when the pandemic hit, I started like revisiting stuff that was just kind of sitting on the shelf that I meant to get to. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, now is the time to go all in on Joe Jackson. And just as I started doing that, you did that episode and that really oh, nice. pushed me like all, like all the way. And I was like, okay, now I need to go get Laughter and Lust night and day and yes. so yeah you kind, of, you kind of pushed me over the edge into well, thank the, you i'm glad i'm curious i one of the things that i respect most about you is what an old musical soul you are even though you're young you go back and you appreciate all this older stuff i'm curious if if in growing to love joe has that caused you to pick up more of Elvis Costello or Graham Parker, because you know, it was the three of them, the three angry young British men who all came out at the same time doing similar things. Uh, did you, do you appreciate them as much or are they you know, less? So? so Elvis Costello is kind of like next on my list of like, I want to start checking his stuff out. I get the feeling I'll really like it. Uh, yeah. It's weird. I can, I can honestly say I've never heard an Elvis Costello song, but Graham Parker, uh, I, I actually, that, that I'm aware of. I might've heard one, yeah. I never. Okay. I don't know what it is, but uh, Graham Parker is interesting. Uh, I had one of his albums actually, like, so going back to the rule, the rule North Dakota thing, there, at our local grocery store, there was like a, at one point they had a bin full of CDs that were all like the cutout ones. Yes. And like, I was, as a kid, I was so hungry to hear different types of music. So I would like, I'd tr- I would just try them like, you know, for 50 cents a pop, like, you know, okay, don't like trance music. Okay, this is weird jazz thing, whatever. And there was a album in there by Graham Parker uh, it was a live record called like live in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, I bought that and I really loved it as a kid. And I kind of forgot about it. I think I sold it. But then in doing prep for this episode, actually, uh, his name kept coming up and I was like, why does that sound familiar? Graham Parker, Graham Parker. And then one day I just started humming a melody to myself. I'm like, wait, 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 that's fool's gold. That, that's <laughs> that guy. So I've started listening to him now. Like I've been yeah. like, I just got three new records of his in the mail today. Right. Like I got, the real I saw macaw. your post. That's right. Yeah, real yeah. macaw. Acid bubblegum and uh, that's it. Uh, the Mona Lisa sister. That's the other one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So uh, both I I have a love hate relationship with Elvis. Sometimes I I go in and out of really liking him and being really sick of him. But Graham, especially in his peak period, which is his first, I would say six or seven albums are spotless. Yeah. They're really good, really worth hearing and worth knowing. I like. Okay. I have a lot of respect for Graham. Oh yeah, I've really warmed up to uh, squeezing out sparks, especially. Like, yeah, that was a great, a good one, great yep. album. And yep. uh, it was fun. I have to, a, a quick funny story about getting into Graham Parker. So I mentioned I bought that CD for like fifty cents. I was like, I got to get a new copy of it, and I, the cheapest one I could find was like twenty five bucks on eBay. And yeah. I was like, if I had known at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when you said that i thought i don't know if he knows that that album's actually kind of hard to find that yeah, cd yeah no like i didn't realize it until i i started like looking for it again i was like oh yeah. okay i want to hear the one i remember I'm like yes. oh god it's 25 bucks <laughs> fuck it yeah that's the one that has he does a nirvana cover yeah on there, it, doesn't it, he? It, it ends with in bloom yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah my favorites on there were always uh i loved uh Disney's America, mm. Fool's Gold, Partner for Life, uh, Here It Comes Again. I used to sing Here It Comes Again through a like home karaoke machine we had. 
like I would sing along with Graham. It was, <laughs> and when I was listening to that recently, I was like, oh wow, those lyrics are really dark. That was really dark yeah. for a little kid to be singing. <laughs> it kind of was. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so yeah, I, I do intend to jump into them a little more. I really appreciate what Graham Parker does. I think he's a little more, uh, he's the Springsteen of that lot. It seems like mm, he's very, perfect. you know, uh, you know, rough and tumble kind of, mm-hmm. kind of working man type thing, you know, and I've heard the term pop so. rock thrown, thrown around. I think even Joe mentioned it in his book that I read, but yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to like Elvis Costello. And the other one I hear that I should check out is Nick Lowe. So I'm looking forward to that. I meant to mention him too. Yes. Nick Lowe's the other one for sure. All four of these guys are amazing. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. So I have another question for you before we jump into what we're going to yeah. do today is we're going to do an album by album. Uh, we're going to do the first seven today and then we're going to record a second episode where we do uh, the other seven and we're just hitting the pop records. I didn't dive into the classical stuff. I might someday, but mm-hmm. uh, who knows? I wanted to ask you, have you ever had the privilege to see him live? And if so, how many times and like any stories from that? Yeah. Um, I have seen him three times. <clears throat> Um, twice at the same venue. Uh, They've all been in the last 20 years or so. One was on the Night and Day 2 tour. Mm. And um, then another time was when he got the Joe Jackson band back together and he was doing volume four. That was an interesting one because I saw it at the Fillmore in San Francisco. I mentioned this to Graham, I think, on the podcast. Joe put out a live album called Afterlife Mm -hmm. and it's recorded at various shows, but it doesn't say in the liner notes where each song was recorded. So one of those, I was in the room for one of the songs on that Afterlife album, but I've never known which one. And uh, so I, and then I just saw him again. It was on the Fool tour. So it was probably what a year ago, year and a half ago, something like that. It feels like years ago, but probably, but yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Right. Yeah. So yeah, he's uh, he's fantastic, and as you probably know, he um, he changes it up. You know, yeah. like stepping out has never sounded like it did on that album since. Basically, you know, he opens it up, he turns it into more of a jam, and uh, his band is so great. It uh, he really ex- um, improvises and lets things breathe more in concert. He's great. Yeah, I've noticed that. Like I've been like in all this i've also been like binging live stuff what i find on youtube like anything i can find and i noticed that like i like the way he kind of like takes some songs apart or retools them like i really like the just no guitar piano kind of slowed down version of is she really going out with him i think that's great and uh i found i found a performance where he opened a show uh i think with uh, another world that was just piano and i thought that was great too yeah I think that's what he did when I saw him a year and a half ago. Oh, yeah? Um, I love that song. And, yeah, that was a great way to kick off the show. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And I'm kind of kicking myself because that tour I know was in San Diego. And uh, I could have I gone, but at the time, like, I just knew Fool and Look Sharp. And I didn't, you know, it was kind of the last bit of thing, so I didn't go. And now I'm just kind of kicking myself because I, like, worry, like, oh, God, is there ever going to be another <laughs> Joe Jackson tour to see? No kidding. Yeah, I know. Will there ever be another tour of anyone? Yeah, and if so, when? It's uh, it's weird times right now. Yeah, and he and he and he's not. I mean, he looks. I I've noticed from like the, I watched a lot of videos from the full tour. He sounds great still, and he looks yeah. great. Like he looks healthy, but like I don't. You know, anything can happen. 
So I know it's true. It's true. And I, I do have to ask one thing about the full tour. I noticed, so I found a full performance of it. Like someone kind of shot and tried to put a multi-camera thing together. Mm. And uh, when he got to stepping out, he's like, I've never done it. Like it's been done on the record. I'm going to try to do it tonight. And he pulls out this like drum machine. He's like, this is what I use to program the beat. Mm. And he like built the track on stage with the classic drum machine. Yes. And tried to like kind of recreate the original version. That's I right. That, Very I really cool. cool. Very cool. Yeah. You, you know, I, I don't, uh, my tolerance level for too much jamming or songs that are normally three minutes get getting turned into 10 minute long jams or whatever is pretty low. I'm not, I'm not a fan yeah. of that. And so, um, but luckily, even when he does break open these songs to kind of new versions and renditions live it never goes on too long you know they're always interesting they're always still captivating and keeping you involved as opposed to some like 10 to 20 minute long dirge or noodling right. i can't stand that stuff right it's never wank for the sake of saying no. hey look at how many notes i can play like he is exactly and this is also one of my favorite things about it like he is a I've read his book. I'm sure you have too. Yep. He is a classically trained, like he's almost a, like I look at him as more of a composer than a writer. Totally. Like, he compo he's like, he's like great job, but he composes pop music and yep. like his live performances and his albums reflect, reflect that like not a note is wasted. Mm -hmm. It's true. Very yeah. true. I think he would be glad to hear you say that because I think that's what he aspires to. Yeah. If anything, I think sometimes pop music is too limiting for him as evidenced by a lot of the outlier <laughs> albums he's put out over 40 plus years, you yeah. know? Yeah. But I've also kind of related to that too, in the sense that like, I, I, I sing too. And like, the, like the, I always struggled with when I was in bands because like, I like him, like one day I'm in the mood to do hard rock one day. Like, I don't know. I, don't know, I kind of want to just let, let's just do a piano guy guys. Like what? No. Like, well, let, let's throw a weird rhythm in there. No, no. We're a rock band. Oh, come on. Mm-hmm. So, so true. I, I, yeah. I really do get that. But yeah, it, it led him down some interesting roads. And I think, I don't think the catalog would be as fun if it wasn't as varied no. as it is. So, Absolutely right. Yep. But yeah, we're going to jump into uh, the discography. We're, we're skipping kind of the uh, classical albums that get to the 90s, but that's the next episode. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to start right where it all began. And that's with uh, Look Sharp.
released January 5th, 1979. It's the classic Joe Jackson band lineup. Gary Sanford, Graham Maybe, uh, David Houghton, I think is how you say his name. I think you say it Houghton. Houghton. I've always said Houghton too, but when I had the guys on the podcast, they kept saying Houghton, so now I do too. David Houghton. Okay. And this one is very punky. It's, mm-hmm. There's some reggae vibes sprinkled in there. Like you kind of can hear what's coming two albums later on a few songs, but it's a very snotty, punky album, but it's very well composed. Like it's not like, not to say that like, you know, Sex Pistols and Ramones aren't well composed. Like there's a lot of thought put into these aggressive little bursts of energy that are on the album. And then you, and then you've got stuff like, you know, like, you know, is she really going out with him, which was a big hit for him, which is a really cool little pop tune. That's also very funny. I think. Uh, I love Sunday Papers. I think that's a really smart song. Yes. I love Graham Maybe's like, you know, I say he plays lead bass on this album. Like there's a lot of yes. stuff, yes, stuff exactly. where, where he's driving and like the guitar kind of falls by the wayside, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not, nothing against Gary Sanford. He's a great player. But man, you can really tell like, you know, like they want to do something different. And they definitely did that. And uh, I think my pick from this one is going to be uh, Got the Time. <laughs> you say that i went back and forth i love got the time but i love the anthrax version better and i that was the i heard that first so i yeah even though i was a joe jackson fan i had not gone back this far by the time got the time got popular which i guess i was like 17 or 18 years old and so i still think of that more as an anthrax song so it's a, I love that song. I think if I were to pick my favorite, it would probably be Sunday Papers. Have a least favorite? I know I, that 
I, I, we weren't planning on that, but I'm curious. I think we should do it. And I think if I had to pick a least favorite, honestly, I would go Fools in Love. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I don't know why that one just never, like, like I hear, I heard it this morning. I was like, yeah, it's all right, but it never sticks with me. Everything else just sticks with me just a little bit more than that one. Like, I could see that. I think my pick would probably be Baby Stick Around, which hmm. uh, is fine. It's a little kind of a regular, almost derivative, almost rockabilly type song that it's the least interesting to me of everything on the album. Everything else has something unique and fresh and different about it. And that song feels like it sounds too much like 20 other songs. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I totally get that. And yeah. I had one other note on this album. Like I, I said, he's kind of, you know, snotty and angsty on here, man. Like, and you get this vibe from the book too. This guy, the guy writing these lyrics is not having luck in relationships. <laughs> when you <laughs> listen to this album, like I, I was listening today. I'm like, huh, that was me when I was like 17. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just... I wanted to, I want to bring this up and I mentioned it. Uh, I, I, I wanted to get deeper into it when I did those Joe Jackson interviews, but um you probably, so I read the book yep. 15 years ago, so I don't remember it super well, but if I remember correctly, at or very near the very beginning of the book, he says, he lays it out there that he's been sexually attracted to both men and women for most of his life. Yeah, he lays it out twice. He, he talks about like the one time like a guy showed interest in him and how he was disappointed because it was an older dude. And the other one, like he kind of mentioned like his attraction to Bowie, like, you know, not just as a okay. musician, but as a person like he yeah. like really loved you know he was attracted to him in that way so, okay yeah, he definitely yeah that. okay so he mentions that it's like he drops this bomb but then he never really touches on it he's been married a couple of times mm -hmm. he's been in relationships these songs i mean he never touches he never goes back to this having to that statement with any evidence of like and then i was in a relationship with a guy or i fell in love or i had a love affair or whatever he he and so it it add, it adds to me to the sort of mystery or ambiguity of who joe even is you know yeah. because he's shape-shifting so often that it's just boy you cannot put your finger on who joe even is you know i i agree and i, I got that vibe too from the book like it, it, it seemed like there was definitely more focus on the girls in the book too in a way like like he talked about you know his issue like well, I'll, I'll save the graphic stuff for like the people that want to read it, but like his issues in the bedroom and finally, you know, working that out with a woman. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it is yeah. interesting. And I think he touches on his sexuality again in a few albums. Like we'll, we'll talk about it when we get yeah. there. Okay. Yeah, he, it is interesting. He's very, I've, I noticed that too. Also, like I tried to read more interviews, like getting ready for this. I tried to find, you know, interviews and like video or in print and there's not much out there about it. Like mm -hmm. honestly, yeah. Like to kind of go back to what I said earlier, when I Google Joe Jackson, I get Michael Jackson's father. Right. The first thing I come across. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, so, he's a mystery. Yeah, like I would love like it. He's, like in my list of dream interviews, he's up. He's on the list now. Absolutely. Like I yeah. would love to pick his brain. He is one of those people, though. I've thought about this. I've tried to get him on the show, and I got turned down. And it doesn't surprise me because he doesn't do a lot of media. But I, one of the hesitations I get with a lot of artists now that I do this so often is you there are some people you can tell you probably aren't going to have the kind of interview you want to have 
with yeah. this person. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I would, I love Joe Jackson. I would love to talk to Joe, but I have a pretty strong feeling like he's not going to give me much of the information or the feeling or the connectedness that I want. And uh, so it kind of, I don't know, it, it deflates it a little bit for me. I get that. I get yeah. that. And it definitely comes across that, you know, in some of the interviews, he's definitely there to talk about what he's, you know, talking about in the moment. Like I remember I've, I read one from around the night and day two era last mm. night. And I read one from around the, uh, the big world era and he's, and whatever he's like, whatever his thing is at the time, whatever he's on kind of like, that's what he's focused on. He's not too interested in talking about like the past. It's, you know, it. what, yeah. what, where am I now? Yep. That's it. Yep. Yeah. And that, and just to kind of rep, rep, put this album to bed a little bit, that kind of seems to be, you know, his feeling on this album. I don't think he dislikes it, but he always says like, you know, I know a lot of people like this, but I hope, you know, people don't think it's my best album. I hope they would, you know, continue to like listen to me as I grow and, you know, change and, you know, become better. Yeah. So I don't know if he's like, you know, kind of a little like bittersweet on the success of this one or not, but I don't think he dislikes it. Yeah, I, uh, uh, he he clearly does not want to be anchored or tethered to any one moment of his career. And because this one was popular, similar to night and day, he doesn't want to be the night, the stepping out guy or the look sharp guy forever. He wants to be Joe Jackson, the composer, you know what I mean? Yeah. And those are just facets of his, you know, two colors on his palette. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. But the next album, uh, I'm the man. October 5th, 1979, same year. My God, I wish I lived in the 70s because the year from your favorite artist, that's great. Yeah. Uh, th to me, this is basically Look Sharp Part 2, and I think he's he, Joe himself has called it that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the same lineup. Uh, I think lyrically, it seems a little less snotty and angsty than the previous uh, record, but it's still, you know, the sound is very, is very similar. The punk with reggae influence is still there. There's a little more piano though. There's some melodica featured on some songs, which I love. I don't know why I just love it when like in a Steely Dan song, there's like melodica. So I love it when, the, when there's one of Joe Jackson song. Yeah. Uh, some highlights. I like uh, on, the, on your radio a lot, Geraldine and John. I love the twist in that song. Mm -hmm. See the happy couple so inseparable. You know, they're like too bad they're both, too bad they're married, but you know, not, not to each other. Right. <laughs> it goes a little twisted at the end of the chorus. And you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh, it's not what I thought it was. Exactly. Yeah. And then yeah. uh, 
my favorite song on the album. It's in my top three Joe Jackson songs ever. Uh, I'm the man, which is my pick. rock and i've really come to enjoy this album like i got this uh after listening to this is one of the ones i got after listening to your episodes oh nice i have played the crap out of this song since i got the oh. album to the point that my wife now knows the words to it too <laughs> so yeah i really like it it's it's punchy it's fast like i love the he's, he's really playing the sleazy used car salesman type of guy in the song uh it's kind of like, it's funny, it's great, and it really reminds me of, like, pop punk that I, like, grew up loving. Like, I can see the lot through line there. So, yeah, yeah. really cool. Uh, my favorite of the first three albums, and I really enjoyed, like, listening to it again for the, for the episode. Like, I kind of had written it off in my mind as, like, yeah, it's all right. It's just a carbon copy of yeah. the chart. But it's really not. It's really different. Uh, I really enjoyed this one, and I think I'm going to go with my least favorite song is going to be... Uh, Get that girl. Mm. Okay. So it's interesting because I have um, kind of the opposite view of everything you just said. <laughs> to, me, it, <clears throat> to me, it's also, it is, you're right. Carbon copy is right. Only it's, to me anyway, it's less interesting across the board. That doesn't mean I don't like it. I mean, I would still give it like three and a half out of five stars. Right. It's a strong album. But there's hardly, there are almost no songs on here that I think are better than anything on Look Sharp. If I were to pick my favorite, it would be It's Different for Girls.
which I think is just such an amazing, fantastic ballad. And it show that's really his first. There are no, you know, true ballads on Look Sharp. And this is his first venture that in that direction. And I love it. It's so beautiful. And it's just, it's mostly him in the in the piano. I'm so glad that he allowed himself to do that. And, and it just, you know, blossoms and explodes from there. I do really enjoy the singles. I love I'm the Man. I love On Your Radio. Um, but yeah, I don't reach for this one as often as many of the other albums. I would say if my least favorite is probably Amateur Hour because it's kind of long and sort of boring to me, you know? Um, but I, I don't dislike this album at all. It's just when you've got half a dozen other Joe Jackson albums you like better, yeah. I just never reached the, for this one, you know? I get, I get that. And we were kind of yeah. saying earlier in our, in our chat, uh, you know, even like the, the lesser Joe Jackson albums, like sure. for me, those are better than some like artist's best albums. Totally. Like they're, totally. they're really solid. Yeah. Like even the ones I don't listen to that much, like, like revisiting like this and kind of like getting, gaining a new appreciation for it was really, really cool. Absolutely. And, uh, there's one more song I wanted to shout out just cause uh, it, for those that have read the book, the band wore blue shirts. I can't help but think of all his stories in the book where he's like, you know, playing these little pubs and like all the, you know, there's like, if you read the book, like there's a lot of like, you know, little incidents that happen, you know, someone like fight, fights break out, people take off their clothes, you know, it's just, it just makes you think of like some of the goofiness you write about in the book after you yeah. hear that song, you make that connection. So yeah, I like that one too. And I yeah. think this album, like, even though we're not going to talk about uh, volume four of this episode, it's a really good bridge to that. I feel like it is. It built like more so than the next record. It builds the bridge for the future. I think you're very right. That is very true. Yes. Awesome. Uh, any more thoughts you want to add on I'm the Man? I don't think so. Um, both of the first two albums both have great iconic album covers. Um, and uh, no, I I, um, I have some thoughts about uh, I'm the Man, but I'm going to save them for Beat Crazy because Beat Crazy is sort of an evolution of things that are starting to brew in uh, I'm the Man. Let's get right into it. Released October 25th, 1980. Uh, be crazy. People say there's no such thing as album with the original lineup till volume four uh it's this is the first one credited to the joe jackson band and there is a really strong like reggae and also dub influence on this album at times like the way like some songs are kind of extended and there's that you know bouncy echo effect you hear in dub music mm-hmm. a lot uh this album was a this was an interesting one for me i remember getting this in the mail and 
thinking, okay, this is still the classic lineup, so it'll probably have a similar vibe to those first two records. And in some ways, there's certain songs that have that, but I feel like like he was really at a point where I don't think he wanted to do that type of music anymore, and this album was just kind of him trying to do it, but also trying to look for something else mm-hmm. in a way. And that really comes out, like in the title song, it's this really kind of <laughs> crazy, like, you know, mm-hmm. reggae thing that like goes on for a while with Graham maybe on lead vocals it's mm-hmm. but that's a really cool so- really cool song though and that kind of sets up the template like you've got some of the more out there songs like the evil eye and uh crime don't pay but then you've also got stuff like you know my favorite song on the album one to one hints at you know what we're going we're going to get at on night and day uh, yeah but it's a i really enjoy listening to this one it's it's out there and it's all it always kind of keeps you on your toes when you listen to it i love the organ solo on crime don't pay mm-hmm. uh pretty boys kind of reminds me of uh thugs are us from mm-hmm. volume four and uh it's a bit of a dark horse but to me it's a fascinating listen mm-hmm. and yeah well do you have any thoughts yeah. on this one yeah, I do. I um I so of the albums we're talking about today, this is the one I probably know or I'm the least familiar with and I realized I think that's because I've never owned a hard copy of this album or CD. The other ones I have, you know, mm-hmm. CDs of. Uh it's a little bit harder to find if I remember right. I think it's out of print or something. It is. I had I, to win an eBay auction for this thing. <laughs> that's what I thought. That's yeah. what I thought. That's probably why. Um I I like this album a lot. I something was going on in Britain in the late seventies and early eighties that was making those kind of punk bands, once punk bands embrace dub and reggae. The clash did it. The pretenders did it. All of those bands did it public image limited, whatever it might be. And, um, one, one thing I realized in getting ready to talk to you is that this is the, this is the, let, let me rephrase. Okay. I'm the man is the last album he would put out that was just a collection of songs he was working on at the time. Every album after that had a theme or a concept of some kind. And, and this album, it was the embrace of reggae and, and dub and more of like that harder street black sound, you know, 
black in England sound anyway. And uh, so I was thinking about, you know, there are others like a Pete Townsend or a Ray Davies or an Adam Ant even, who seem to only be able to put out an album if that album has a philosophy or a theme or an, an overarching idea. They don't just put out 10 songs that they're working on that they like that sound good together. There has to be a reason, a, a motivation. And every single Joe Jackson album from this point on has that about it. And I just think that's really interesting that the, he, for whatever reason, it, he has to come up with some idea that's outside of himself in order to motivate or provoke the creativity he needs to make an album. Exactly. Yeah. I, 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 I should say, I should clarify. I don't know if that's true for Fool. Fool, uh, and it's obviously, it's, you know, f almost 40 years later. Hmm. And uh, I don't know that there's an overarching, you know, concept to Fool. But every other album there is. I, I think that I think there might be for Fool, but we'll we'll get more into that. The okay. one I, what I think in the future that lacks an overarching theme is, although it's not totally lacking a theme, it's the fast forward. But that's because it's different EPs and there's different. Yes. Ones. So it's not a consistent theme on that one, but it's, no. And when I say theme, I don't. It, the theme doesn't have to necessarily be a narrative theme, right? Exactly. But more just an a, an idea. Like in that case, it was songs that he was recording in, I think it was four different cities, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what was sparking his creativity at that time. Again, it's never just, I'm going to get with my band, I've got some songs I like, we're going to hash them out, we're going to put them out. Everything has to have something behind it. Right. Yeah, I, I agree totally. Yeah. And he had a great, uh, I found a great, a great quote from him on this album that I wanted to read real quick. Uh, eclectic seems to make some people think that it's not authentic, that there isn't an authentic voice there. But a lot of the greatest artists in history are very eclectic and were just all over the place and broke all the rules and everything else, including Beethoven and the Beatles. But I think that the thread going through is, it is just me. It's my personality and my voice and putting different elements together. I think you just see different sides of it on different albums. And that's, I, I think you get that here too. Like you get a yes. different feel for him yeah. that, respect for like you said black music and dub and reggae comes through yeah i agree um i will say i think be crazy is my favorite song one-to-one -one is a very close second i went back and forth on that one
and I don't know that I have a least favorite, but Battleground has not aged well. Yeah. With the white nigger, black nigger. And I yeah. understand it feels weird even saying those words. I'm quoting him, everybody. Yeah. Um, and I understand what he's trying to do. It's not, he's not just shouting racist epithets. He's trying to draw, you know, make a parallel between just the dregs of whatever race, whatever it might be, thugs included. Right. And, um, but uh, it just hasn't aged well, it, you know. Exactly. It's one of those things where like, if you're a new listener, you have to go into this album with the mindset of this was 1981. Exactly. This 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 is this was not recorded yesterday. I don't think he yeah. would record a song like this today if he was going to tackle that subject. Right. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But yeah, I think I agree with you there. The Battleground's probably the one I go to the least on this album and for that reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also want to shout out uh I I think Fit is a really cool closer mm. uh where it talks about like you know not fit not fitting in and like you know trying to be the square peg in the round hole like how that'll just kind of push you down and I wonder if that's kind of how he was feeling at that point mm-hmm. you know like with the album like that like like I'm sure Aaron M's like okay come on you know give us another look sharp another I'm the man and like oh I don't I really don't <laughs> want to do that and he's been he's been trying he's trying yeah. to be for, he's the square peg trying to be forced to that round hole at that point and I think yeah I always wondered if that's kind of where that song comes from I think you're probably right yep yep Nice, but yeah, overall, I think this is a dark horse, and I think it's definitely worth checking out. Don't start with this one, but once you're in the catalog and good and comfy, check this bad boy out. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, now we're going to kind of move to, uh, this is my least favorite one that we're going to talk about this episode, and that's Jump and Jive. Responds to romance, Jack, you dead. When a chick is smiling at you, even though there's nothing said, you stand there like a statue, Jack, you dead. You've been always kicking, but you stopped your toes when you upset kicks the bucket, just like old man Moe's. When you get no kicks from loving and you blow your top instead, it's a fact that you ain't living. Jack, you did. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I had trouble even like deciding if I wanted to include this or not. Like I, I bought it when I when I was like getting them all, and it just sat there on the cellophane. And when it came, uh-huh. when I decided I was going to do this, I was like, okay, got to <laughs> pop it open. And yep. uh, it what it's not, it's not bad. It's no. just not what I'm into, yep. honestly. Like there's some stuff I enjoyed on there. I like Jack, you're dead a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a cool song. Is you is or is you isn't my baby was co- was cool. Uh, the title track, like he does it really, really well. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's one thing I can say about it. Like the musicians sound good. The band is tight. Mm-hmm. He sounds like he's having fun, but it's just this one's just not. It's not for me. And no. uh, I think if I had a least favorite, it's probably uh, well. What's the use of getting sober? Just because he's doing a weird mm-hmm. thing with his voice in that one. Yes. So. Yeah, I have all the exact same feelings. I remember um, buying this one. So my family and I, we moved to England in 1991, right after I graduated from high school. Oh, wow. And yeah. And um, there, the, the record store, the CD store that was big there at the time was called HMV. 
and I used to go to the HMV all the time. And I remember seeing this CD there for sale. I think it was probably five pounds, six pounds. And uh, I didn't have it. And I didn't know that it was going to be so different. I just thought it's another Joe Jackson album. I don't have it. I love him. <laughs> and, um, and I thought, and the first couple songs are, you know, jazzy and jump and jive. And I thought, okay, that's fine. We'll get to the good stuff here soon. But it's a whole album of that. And uh, I, I just, uh, it's not, uh, it, it, I agree with you completely. It's just not my bag, you know? Um, you know he means it. And again, going back to what we were kind of talking about earlier, I bet this is one of the albums he's most proud of. Oh, just yeah. Just because he likes to be belligerent that way. And he likes to throw curveballs at people, you know? But, um, yeah, I'm not going to put this on hardly ever. So if I had to pick a favorite, it would probably be Issue Is or San Francisco Fan. I like both of those. But I'm with you. What's the use of getting sober is my least favorite. interesting concept and i gotta give him props for doing it that was a ballsy move when it came out like to put out an album like that and it's interesting like there's i have the remastered copy and there's a little like you know blurb by him in there and he said he kind of just tossed off the idea because he started listening to swing music you know when he was recovering from an injury and then it kind of snowballed and like the label's like you should do an album and that's kind of how that happened so it's interesting that you know just kind of started out as like a one-off show and then ended up becoming a record yeah 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 it's uh this is the last this would be one of the last ones you would need to buy if you were getting into joe jackson yeah. save this for if you become truly devout if if you are if you're really crazy and you really think you're ready for it go for it i would but i, I would say honestly do this before the classical ones do true before the very true ones. yes and uh it's better than the duke <laughs> this is his duke ellington oh. tribute album that came out a few years ago I I can't even bring myself to listen to that one. I don't I don't know why. I just have a bad feeling about it. There's something about it like and this is nothing against Steve Vai. I think he's a great player, but hearing the names Joe Jackson and Steve Vai together does not inspire confidence in me for some nope. reason. No, it sure doesn't. No. I think I've listened to that album twice, maybe ever, and uh I, I I'm not gonna reach for it yeah, the, ever. The, 
the closest I got was the clip you put in uh, one of your episodes. Oh, right. Yeah, yep. Like you put a clip of, I think, take the A train in there and that's, yeah, that's where it stops. <laughs> that's it. That's, it. <laughs> that's all I need. But uh, yeah, now we're going to move on to one of my favorite albums he's done. Top three might be my favorite album of his mm. night and day released June, 1982. This is one of his magnum opuses, I think. This is yep. a great record. There's no guitar on this album at all, no guitar. It's very piano and percussion driven. Uh, I think he was very much over the idea of doing guitar rock at this point. Mm-hmm. And he's experimenting with Latin rhythms. He's moved to New York. And that really bleeds through into the album. Like, you know, from another world into Chinatown and TV age, like you kind of feel like you're traveling around the city. Yes. Listen to it. Like I've I've been to New York once in my life, and Chinatown like kind of has that anxiety you you feel like of moving around in this place where all, all those people are bustling around. You don't know really know where you're going or trying to get to. Uh, it's a really cool feeling. This album evokes like it's and his vocals are so like his vocals are just pristine on this one. Like on slow song like that like really passionate. You know, play us a slow song. Like wow, incredible. Like Good for you. Really hits it hard, and it's great. It is. It yeah. is. And uh, yeah, Real Men, uh, TV Age, Stepping Out was a huge hit for him. Like I think it got to like something like number three on the charts. Uh, something something like, that. like that. In fact, I uh, I heard once, and I don't know this for sure. I think as big as a hit as this was, I think this toppled the furthest in the history of the top 40 chart. I think it was like, <laughs> I think it was number nine one week. I think that's as high as it got. I think it got to nine. And then the following week, it was like 33, Ooh. something like that, oh. which is a real kick in the nuts for us Joe fans, you know, cause it's like, <laughs> come on, come on, don't do that. But yeah, I've heard that. I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, but it, I even brought it up to my dad before the episode because the only tape he had is uh, Look Sharp. So I was like, do you remember stepping out? He goes, oh, yeah, I used to hear that on the radio all the time. So it obviously was a hit. Yeah. Uh, Just a few more songs I wanted to touch on. Uh, I feel like my favorite song on the album is Real Men. Take your mind back. I don't know when. Sometime when it always seemed to be just us and them. Girls that wall pink. Boys that wore blue, boys that always grew up better men than me 
What's a man now? What's a man mean? Is he rough or is he rugged? Is he cultural and clean? Now it's all changed. It's got to change more. Cause we think it's getting better, but nobody's really sure. And so it goes, go round again. But now and then we wonder who the real men are. I think it's one of the best songs he's ever written. And I think it's also a very relevant song talking about masculinity and how we view who the real men are. Like, unfortunately, that's still an issue we have today. Uh, it feels a little Phil Spector-ish in parts, uh, but it's a really cool song. I, I love his delivery in that song. Uh, I love how it kind of builds and sways. And yeah. the other one I wanted to talk about was, uh, I want to talk about cancer. I love, it's a happy, sounding song with a very morbid subject matter like these grim <laughs> lyrics to kind of just juxtapose the everything gives you cancer like it's really cool and really catchy like ridiculously catchy like you know and it's you know a pick your poison and live your life type song it's really yeah. cool i love this record i could go on about it for hours but what do you yeah. think of this one i love it too um and it's funny i i also bought this when i was in college and at the time, it still wasn't quite what I wanted. Really? I still was, it was too sleek, a little too slick. The lack of guitars kind of threw me. But over time, of course, I eventually grow to love it and see it for what it is. It's so wonderful. Um, I do think there are songs on here like Chinatown, TV Age, Target to some degree, Cancer, which are a little bit silly. They border a little bit on this on silliness, even with because you look at the cover and you listen to songs like "Stepping Out" and "Breaking Us in Two that are like you you nailed it, Alex, when you were saying that each song sounds like you're taking a little tour of New York City, and that is so exactly right. And so you there it creates a vibe of the city at night and uh, and the good and the bad and the bright lights and the dark alleys and all that kind of stuff. But some of the songs are a little bit on the silly side, but they all, oh, even yeah. those ones still are in keeping with the overall vibe of the album. My favorite, first of all, I think Stepping Out is still to this day as irresistible as it was in 1982. I don't care what kind of music you're into, you could be in the loudest, heaviest thrash metal. Even you have a spot in your heart for Stepping Out. Everybody does. You know what I mean? But, um, I think my favorite song in the album is probably Another World. Trying, I 
that's the nice. one I go back to most often. I love the percussion on there. I love the beat to it. Um, if I had to pick a clunker, it would probably be TV Age, which um, I st- is again, I still like it fine. But of all of them, that's the one that it is probably just the silliest of all. One last thing about Slow Song. If you get his greatest hits package, the version of Slow Song that's on there is the live version. And um, I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to, that song to me belongs in a school dance scene of an 80s movie. You know, like if, uh, if in, I don't know, Breakfast Club or Pretty in Pink or just one of the guys or whatever, one of these classic 80s teenager movies, if they could have gotten Joe Jackson to play their high school prom and he plays a slow song, just as two people who have been fighting it the whole movie decide they love each other. And that's the perfect song in that moment to, you know, to cultivate that perfect moment. I just, I love it. That, that's that's really interesting you say that because there's a song coming up on the next album that I feel would also like maybe yeah. not for the dance part but I heard it and I was like oh this is perfect for an eighties like love mm. you know couple type thing and we'll we'll touch on that but that's really interesting I I, I agree with you that would that would have worked really well and uh, also I guess I didn't pick a least favorite it's really hard with this album uh, yeah. I'm gonna go I like I like TVA's just a little more than Targets. I'm going to go with Targets. Okay. Uh, okay. Like that's probably the one. Like that was even today when I was like listening to this again. Like that one kind of caught me off guard. I was like, oh, 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 that song. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this album you cannot overstate the greatness of this one. I think it's yeah. incredible, and uh, I'm on the lookout for the deluxe version right now. Actually, so uh, yep. real quick before we go to the the Body and Soul album. Uh, so I didn't know this until today. Uh, he did a soundtrack uh, between Body and Soul and Night and Day called Mike's Murder. I think that's, that was the one he did. And uh, I had avoided it because I figured, okay, like he's a composer. It's just going to be instrumental stuff. I'm not really into instrumental stuff. I skipped over it. Only today did I learn that there's actually like pop songs on that soundtrack. Have you heard those? And if so, do you have any thoughts? Do they kind of fall into the same vein as uh, Night and Day? Or are they kind of leaning more towards Body and Soul? It's so funny you ask me this, Alex, because I downloaded that album illegally years <laughs> ago, and I may have listened to it once. And it, <laughs> for the same reason you just said, because I've always been under the impression that it was going to be instrumental music, kind of like his soundtrack to the movie Tucker. Yeah. And, um, and I thought about revisiting, I knew we weren't going to cover it, and I thought about revisiting it anyway to get ready to talk to you just so I could sound educated. And I thought I'd rather focus on the albums I know we're going to talk about and not go back to Mike's murder. So it's interesting that you say this because I've, I've been thinking about that album a lot and thinking I need to revisit this because it has been so long, if ever, that I've even listened to it. Huh. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I didn't know till today. Like I was like just kind of tooling around on Spotify. I'm like, you know, what does this even sound like? And I hit on Memphis. Yeah. I was like, Oh, Oh, this oh is has, that this, Memphis is on that album? Yeah, I was like, oh, th- this is a oh. th- this is a pop song. Oh, yes. Boy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Memphis I, I, is on his uh, greatest hits. Oh yeah, Memphis. Yeah, okay, nice. I forgot about that one. Okay, nice. So yeah. yeah, there's definitely some stuff I'm gonna have to check out there. And yeah, uh, yeah well, uh, the next one I know is gonna. I'm gonna let, actually let you start on the next one.
Body and Soul. You told me this is your favorites. Uh, March 14th, 1984. The Guitar is Back, played by Vinnie Zumo. Uh, I'm going to let you start with this one because I know you love this record, so go ahead. Talk about why you love Body and Soul so much. I do. I do. And I've been thinking about why that is. And I think it's because the songs that are strong are just about as strong as the Night and Day songs. And there are no like silly songs on there either. It's uh, It takes the sort of the template of night and day, this jazzy, late night, um, kind of cool, vibey feeling and blows it up even more, incorporating more Latin rhythm, um, more percussion, real guitars, lots of saxophones. I love the the album cover. Makes you feel like you're, buy, you're buying something off of the Blue Note label from the 50s, you know? And um, so I just, I'm a sucker for horns and, uh, and I'm a sucker for percussion. And this song has both of those, this album has both of those things in the forefront. Those are the things that are amped up. They're not, they're not little accents that play once in a while in the background. They are lead instruments on this thing. And so it's, a li- it's just infectious to me. And so I... Um, and I think there's maybe even a little bit of an underdog nature to this album for me. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you've heard albums you love so often, you start to gravitate toward the thing you like maybe third or fourth most because, and then you grow some, and then it becomes endearing to you and you love it even more. And then you want to root for it. There's like a little bit of like a stepchildness to it. Yeah. You know, every, <laughs> totally the focus all goes to night and day, but it's like, Hey, body and soul is over here too. And it's just as good. So yeah, I, uh, I just love the feeling and the overall vibe of this album. It's got all the great things about night and day and a few more in, uh, aspects that make it even better. Nice. That's a really good way to sum it up. Uh, I don't know that I love it. Like, I, I, by the way, I do agree with you on that. Like, you know, sometimes you gravitate more towards your third or second favorite album and it, you end up rooting for it more. Like, I totally do that too. Uh, sometimes I think. But uh, Body and Soul, like, I don't, I don't dislike it, but I don't, like, quite love it as much as you, you do, I think. Uh, it feels a bit more like, uh, like loungy, like Frank Sinatra, big band type jazz this time around. Which isn't a bad thing. Just I, I kind of like the uh, sparse rawness of the record before, and I might be kind of—I will admit—I might maybe judge it a bit too harshly against the record that precedes it. But I do think there's some really strong songs here. I like the verdict a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, not here, not now. You can't get what you want. Uh, Happy ending, which is the song I alluded to earlier. Uh, to me, that song would be perfect for like an '80s, you know, rom-com mm-hmm. type thing. You know, mm-hmm. with the boy and the girl. Uh, I think uh, Elaine Caswell is the female that's doing the duet with him on there. Uh, yes. Um, and she and Ellen Foley. Yep. Meatloaf. Yes. And I've had Ellen on the show and um, we talked about this. I've been trying to thinking about getting her to come back on maybe, but so yeah. And her voice is unmistakable. You can hear it loud and clear in Heart of Ice and some of the other songs, but right. um, yeah, it it just features it's just great. Everybody gets a chance to, to shine, if you ask me. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like to, to kind of call back to like your interviews with the guitarist. With Vin, when you talk to Vinny, 
I thought it was interesting, you know, that Joe really wasn't in, into guitar at the time, but like Vinny was able to kind of work his way into that world and like show, like, yeah. you know, like, you know, I'm not just a shreddy rock player. I can like, I can fit into this and it, it really works. It did add some textures to the album. I thought that was, you know, I really liked hearing him talk about that. So yeah. that's really cool. And uh, my pick for this one is going to be, be my number two because it's a very, yeah. beautiful vulnerable heartbreaking song and it's got a big phil specter-esque mm-hmm. ending you know it feels like the end of a show where i'm musical And then Heart of Ice is the end credits. Yep, you are so right. I uh, I go back and forth on what my favorite is. I in listening to it, I've listened to it a number of times to get ready to talk to you, and I played it again today while I was at work. And for whatever reason, today, Go for It was really hitting me. Stronger than normal, <laughs> and uh, so I guess I'm going to say go for it. But it could just as easily have been be my number two. 
Uh, Heart of Ice is also another favorite of mine, as is The Verdict. It's interesting. Uh, you can't get what you want. I've always been fine with. It's not my favorite or least favorite. Um, but today, even that was really grabbing me. So yes. yeah, I, I guess I'll give the nod to go for it. I think my least favorite, which I, I, again, I don't dislike it at all, but Louis Sada, or however you say it, the instrumental. I will agree with you there. Louis Sada, yeah, that one. Yeah. That's what kind of brings the album down for me. I don't know why. I feel like the momentum kind of is like jostled when you hit that track. Mm. So, yeah. That, I can see that. that. I think it's just as pretty as a lot of the other things, and it's in keeping with that sort of... <clears throat> see, I don't know. You When you were saying like Frank Sinatra, that big... There's a difference, I guess, to me between big band and jazz. And big band, the J Jump and Jive album is more big band to me. This is more jazz, and it's especially specifically more Latin jazz because every song on here just about has a very Latin influence to it. Yeah. And I like that aspect of it because it invites in the percussion, the congas and the timbales, which you're not going to get in a big band. So anyway, I um, yeah, I'm okay with it. Um, I think it's a beautiful song, but it's the least interesting of the songs on this album. Yeah, I will agree with you there. And I like that you picked uh, Go For It as your, uh, as your choice because there's a lyric in there that I think is really funny. Mm. I, wanted to, I wanted to point out, I'm pulling up the lyrics right now. Uh, hang on. Uh, the clock is ticking on the wall. Everybody has to fall. Think of Ray Charles and you think of sunglasses at night, but if he can play the piano, so can you. <laughs> Yes. And you can tell black from white. Like, that is such a great, clever, like, yeah. like, his, his lyricism never ceases to amaze me. He, he's always got yeah. something that I just hear and they go, damn, <laughs> that, that was clever. That was great. That was good. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just is, it's kind of a cheerleader song almost, but it was really hitting me today. So I, it could be be my number two or go for it, but I, I'm going to go with go for it just to be nice. different. And mine will be be my number two. Nice. Okay. Overall, yeah, great record. Definitely recommend this one. Not my favorite, but definitely worth checking out, I think. And I wouldn't – I should clarify, too. This one – I also wouldn't go to this one first. I mean, it's, it's the favorite of somebody who has listened deeply to every other thing he's done, and this one has risen to the top. But if I were new to Joe Jackson, I would not hand them body and soul. I would I, hand them I other agree. things first. I agree. I'd probably hand, yeah. Well, that, that's actually a really interesting question before we do the last album of this episode. What would be the first record you would hand to like someone that's like, I'm interested, I've heard a few songs, where would you start? Yeah, that's, um, well, I, uh, I don't know. This is probably, I might go for Laughter and Lust. Mm. Um, and the reason I say that is because that is a more straightforward pop album, you know? Um, it does have a theme in that the beginning is laughter and the second half is lust. And so there's kind of the upbeat songs on the on the front and the slower soft songs on the second side. But um, I feel like everything out, like if you gave them night and day, you're just showing him, you're showing a person an aspect of Joe's um, talent. Yeah. If you give them luck, uh, look sharp, you're giving them another aspect of what Joe does. You give them something like laughter and lust, and you're you're covering a broader spectrum, a broader range on that spectrum. You're getting a little bit of everything. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I agree with you there, and that's kind of the I think the struggle in introducing people to his music probably yes. is, you know, where do you start? Like, I I would say that's a good pick. I'd say either that or uh, 
I think volume four has a mm. lot of like variety that you like you get a bit of the aggressive punkiness you get the balladeer in love at first light and you like there's i think the only thing really missing for that album is maybe the jazzier side of things but that would be my my pick but yeah interesting okay. interesting answer like i and by the way i'm really looking forward to talking about that album next episode uh, that is one i have some happy happy feelings about oh good okay i have some strong feelings too okay. we'll get into it awesome uh but up next uh released March 1986, uh, Big World. You know we gotta have to face up to the facts. You just don't know how to face in a big crowd. You know we gotta try hard to relax. We can laugh, but not too loud. It's never like you see in a magazine. And you don't even know what you mean to me. I had this one sitting on the shelf and preparation for this episode was my first time actually listening to this thing. Mm. So like, it always kind of felt a little daunting. Like I knew it was a longer yep. album. It's 15 tracks. So I was like, oh, I'll get to it eventually. And I, I, this kind of forced me into it. And I really, I really enjoyed it. It's a, mm. it's kind of cool in its concept. It's a live album, but not in the traditional sense. Like it's recorded in front of an audience to kind of capture that spontaneous, spontaneous feeling. Well, the audience couldn't applaud while they were recording per se and it feels a lot more pop than the last two albums like it mm-hmm. like i wouldn't say like we've like kind of regressed to like you know i'm the man look sharp but mm-hmm. it's more straightforward like these songs i think would be easier for people to latch on to i think i and can see that i think Vinny gets to shine a bit more on this album too yep. as a musician and also graham is out which is kind of a strange feeling Yep. But uh, you you talked you touched on that in your episode. I'll let people uh, seek that out. Uh, the highlights for me, I like the title track a lot. Uh, Wild West. I think yep. Tonight and Forever is a great like speedy kind of bouncy pop rock song that kind of reminds me of the first two albums. And it's, to me, that's the most straightforward rock song he's recorded in his catalog. I think with that guitar solo and just the way it is, like it, it feels like the bass is there, but it's not as in your face as some of the early stuff. It feels like the most traditional rock song he's ever recorded. I really like that one. I like Shanghai Sky. I think that's a gorgeous, airy ballad. It kind of floats along. Uh, $50 Love Affair kind of reminds me of Night and Day and Body and Soul. Uh, it's a fun little song about looking for hookers while you're on shore leave. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I, got a, I also got a shout out. Uh, what's actually my favorite song? Uh, Hometown. It's yeah. a little poppy little romp towards the end of the album that's got a really big hook and i just fell in love with this song i've been playing it so so much like it's it's great it talks about you know like how you know you know i, I especially relate to that like you know i was someone like i grew up in a rural town in north dakota and wanted to get out and move to la and even though i don't want to like live in that small town any, anymore i sometimes you know think about it you know like oh maybe I should go visit type yeah. thing and that song kind of captures that feeling for me really, really well like not being like homesick per se, but just kind of missing that feeling you had. Yeah. 
live sound like gave it an extra push and it was a really cool idea so yeah i i think this is a great record what do you think um i like this record this record has always to me felt like work kind of like you were just saying yeah it's longer it's an hour long it's 15 songs not that i i mean there's lots of other albums that are that long and don't feel like work but this one does to me I think the performing new music in front of a live audience that aren't allowed to clap or applaud is a really interesting, fascinating idea. I think these songs may, I probably would have ultimately just rather heard these songs produced in a studio like normal songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just me. Maybe two versions or something like that. Yeah. So the uh, the concept is interesting, but it's not enough to buoy these songs into being, um, I, I just can't get over the fact that if I, it feels more like I have to listen to Big World than I want to listen to Big World. That being said, there's a lot of great songs on here. I think Wild West is probably my favorite. that leads somewhere and the call of the wild that takes some people there through Monument Valley to California sun from New Amsterdam to the way the West was won Wow, years will go by when you won't get nowhere You're cold and you're tired and you're free and you don't care Pushing on when your friends keep turning back And you keep building towns and laying railroad track And things get crazy and you have to use that gun And you wonder if this is the way the West is won But keep thinking that way and you won't get nowhere Cause you gotta write just to get where you're going to Gotta keep running, gotta be the best Gotta walk on the wild west I've never really loved right and wrong that much. It's a little too severe for me. But um, yeah. there are plenty of... Hometown is another one of my favorites, too. I think my least favorite is We Can't Live Together. Yeah, that's what I was say. Yeah, it plods along for five and a half minutes. He's kind of straining in his voice. It's not his, <clears throat> it's not his comfort zone. And uh, so it gets, it's pretty ponderous. But I like this album fine. I just, uh, it's too much, it's too daunting. You said it yourself. It's too yeah. daunting for me, so I don't go for it very often. Right, I, yeah. It, it is a bit of a daunting one, but I am kind of starting to get the itch for it now. So who mm, knows, maybe, good. maybe. 
my, my, my feelings might, you know, become more positive as I listen to it. Good. But yeah, definitely some good stuff here. And the one last song I forgot to touch on was Tango Atlantico. Yeah. What a dark little interesting song that is. <laughs> and then at one point you hear him go like, something like, hey, jo- Johnny, lost your leg. No more soccer for you. <laughs> it's like, geez, dude stepped on a landmine. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's a great song, though. Like, it's yeah. really well done. Like, just continuing in that tradition of, uh, you know, left field stuff. Yeah. And so, to kind of wrap this part, this first episode up, so he goes and tours for this one. He has a really big tour. And from what I've read, that tour kind of did him in a bit. He really, like, at one point, he was like, I think I'm done touring. Like, this, this was too much. And I burned him out. And after this, he did an instrumental album that. The name of it escapes me at this moment, but it's got the willpower. Music. Willpower, yeah, he did an yeah. instrumental album called Willpower, and he did a soundtrack to a movie called Tucker. And we don't get a new Joe Jackson album, I think, until 1989 is when we hit Blaze of Glory. Mm-hmm. That and that might be a, that's another one that is there is a theme. It is a loose concept album, but the songs on it are relatively straightforward pop rock songs. That's a really strong album too. So we'll we'll have plenty to talk about when we get there oh, but yeah. yeah you're right this is from here on out it gets it gets uh up, it gets all over the place you know yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting and there's still um i have i think four albums left to take notes on so mm. I'm, go- I'm gonna get those written written up and i'm really looking forward to like some of the, uh, the later albums like i've listened to like just as like you know i'm enjoying music it's one thing to do that and it's one thing to like sit down and kind of analyze them so, so I'm really excited to analyze, you know, like Fool and Fast Forward and Rain, which didn't really grab me on my first few listens. So I'm ready to give that one another try. So, yeah, this is yeah. going to be fun. This was a good good start. Uh, I think uh, we will reconvene uh, in a week or two and do this again. But cool. uh, hopefully if you're available. But uh, before we jump off, uh, I wanted to say thank you so much, like, you know, for doing this. I look forward to doing this. Like, yeah. I, I really enjoyed doing, a, we did a Jethro Tull six-pack on Podcast yes. Pod, that was a That was a blast. Like, that was yes. a lot of fun. And I've been wanting to do another episode with you ever since, so it's good. Oh, I'm to- so glad. I'm so glad you asked, man. I've been jonesing. That's why I did two Joe Jackson episodes. I've been jonesing to talk about Joe with I someone. See. Before you let me go, let's rank these seven albums from favorite oh, to least this, favorite. This will be fun. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> okay. I, I need a minute. Okay. My favorite is Body and Soul. So I'm going to go Body and Soul, Look Sharp, Night and Day, Beat Crazy, um, I'm the Man, Big World, and then Jump and Jive. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to go favorite to least favorite. I'm going to go Night and Day. Mm-hmm. I'm the Man. Yeah. Look Sharp. Yeah. Body and Soul. Beat Crazy. Mm-hmm. Big World. And then Jump and Jive. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, uh, interesting. So yeah. things kind of, I mean, and again, I should clarify, if I were rating these albums, none of them would get below like a three star, you know, oh, yeah. even oh, Jump totally. and Jive to me would get three stars. Yeah. No, know? it's still, yeah. It's one of those ones where, like where like, it's not my thing, but I can't call it bad. No, 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 Like no, it's just not, not for me. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And that's what, nope. that's what's great about a lot of his music. And I think 
I want to do one last thing to like kind of wrap this all up. Like one little like talking point I we kind of touched on, but uh, haven't really dove into yet. His lyrics. I think he's a very witty songwriter. I think he's very good. Uh, and, I, and that's one of my favorite things like about music is like, I'm very much a lyrics guy. And the reason I kind of struggle with instrumental sometimes is, is I want to hear someone say something like not that an instrumental song can't say something. Mm-hmm. And, but I really appreciate Like, I feel like he puts a lot of care into them. Like even those early ones, like, you know, where he's just kind of like, you know, like angry, you know, like mm-hmm. you broke my heart type guy. Like there's a lot of care put into those. Like, would you agree with that statement? Yes. I absolutely would. And I admittedly am not much of a lyric guy. And um, I, I wish that I was, especially for a guy like him, who I know puts thought, and you're right, he is so witty and has such a biting, cutting sense of humor. Um, but I, uh, I'm way more into the feel and into like the, the overall vibe of something, which is probably why Body and Soul is my favorite, because it's a very much a feel record, you know? But um, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a songwriter, uh, you know, par excellence, everything he does, even the stuff, like we, you, were, you said it yourself, even the stuff that he does unsuccessfully are such bold moves and you know he means it and you know he's doing them well. Right. It's just a matter of whether they're for you, you know? Yep. I, I can't honestly say, I don't think any of his albums were done half-assed or tossed no. off. Like they were... Like this, like they were like everything he had at the time he put into those albums. Yes, yes. That comes off great. Well, John, this has been a lot of fun. I look forward to recording part two. Uh, yeah. Before I let you go, like I want, can you do a little plug for uh, the Hustle? I think it's a great podcast. You've done a lot of cool interviews. Would you mind? Yeah, no, not at all. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. So, my uh, production partner Yan and I, we've been doing the Hustle for almost five and a half years now. And uh, it start, it's evolved over time. We started out intending to tell the stories of sort of the littler guys, you know, the one-hit wonders or, you know, people who had a shot on a major label or whatever, and it just didn't work out. But over time, I've been able to get bigger and better guests. And so, uh, you know, now we talk to just about everybody. And yep. uh, I find it especially interesting to talk to people who you know, but maybe you don't think about very often and hear what their stories are and what their life is like. And uh, so I, I love it. it. You probably can attest to this too. Uh, a podcast has become my creative outlet, just like Joe Jackson has his creative outlet. Absolutely. And it means a great deal to me. And so we work really hard on putting out the best content we can. I agree 150%. This really is, you know, like, oh, it's like I said, said tonight before I went in here, like, like Mara goes, have fun. I'm like, I always do. This is why I do it. <laughs> like, you know, this is, you know, we do this because we love the music. And yeah. that definitely comes across in your podcast. Like, I love, one of my favorite things you do is like, you're not afraid to ask about like the deep cuts or the tracks that you really want to know about. Like, I forget which song it is, but there was like, like it's on the Holly Night episode and you ask about like a Rod Stewart song that's on like <laughs> one Rod Stewart song album like, yeah. didn't do that well uh-huh. it was a single and it performed okay and I, I was like wow that was a really good poll like i love <laughs> that you do that like because i'm the type of person that wants to know about that stuff so yeah, yeah good on well, you. it's i i try not to get too deep in the weeds but if i'm honest i mean look i we love music and this may be my one and only chance to talk to these people about what they do and i've loved them my entire life so i don't want to miss an opportunity to ask them about that deep cut on their fourth album that has always mattered to me 
I don't know right. if it matters to anyone else, but <laughs> I'll try and make it matter to them. I'll try and infuse as, enough interest and emotion in those kinds of questions as I would anything else. So yeah, this is a, it's a blast. It's a blast. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Well, go check that out. And uh, thanks again. We're going to do this. We're going to record a part two people. Uh, that'll come out a week after this one airs. So be, keep your ears peeled for that. Uh, but till next time, thanks again, John. Uh, I'm right. Sly Dog and uh, peace, love, and music. For listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.